0: From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, Presented by a Cloud Guru Bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, we get a chance a lot of times to talk about new technologies. It's one of the things that people really enjoy about the show. A few shows ago, we talked about a new concept called service mesh, which is beginning to evolve here around uh, some of the new development frameworks that are being used for microservices, being used on top of Kubernetes, and all of those things. And and today, we're going to kind of extend that conversation, kind of take it to another level, uh, introduce you to some more technologies. And so today, uh, very excited to talk about a new technology called Istio. And to help us do that today, uh, very excited to welcome back to the show Jason McGee from IBM, uh, Vice President and CTO of IBM's Cloud. So Jason, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, thanks. Good to be here.
0: You might end up being sort of IBM's most popular Man in the cloud. I think you know you're you're on the the Masters commercials talking about Watson. We've been on the show talking about serverless and OpenWhisk, and and now we're talking about this. Give us a sense of you know what is Istia? Where did it come from? What sort of problems you know is it solving for people that this is the first time they're hearing about it? What is it, and and why why do people need it? Why do technologists need it?
1: You know, so I think one of the things uh, the industry likes to talk about a lot right now is microservices and how to apply kind of microservice architectures and team design to the problems of the day. And, and, you know, microservices are all about breaking things down into small, relatively independent pieces that are working together. As I've been working in the microservices space, you know, round one of the problem was, how do I actually break up my team? How do I build those components? How do I run them and get them to connect to each other? And, and you see platforms like containers and Kubernetes have emerged as the kind of dominant platform for building and running a microservice. Right. Um, and those orchestration systems are good at running the service and keeping it up and running and scaling it and, and the basics of helping microservices find each other. But what we found and, and the kind of motivation behind projects like Istio was as you go deeper down that journey and you build a collection of microservices, a new set of problems emerges, right. uh, as is often the case in technology. Yep. You know, problems like... How do I know what's going on? Uh, How do I know who's talking to each other? How do I find performance problems? Uh, How do I control which version of my microservice everybody is talking to? And how do I test a new version of a microservice and roll that out in some controlled way? And so you get all these problems that, that really revolve around the interaction between the services. And what we saw was happening was that a lot of development teams were solving those problems themselves inside of each service. So they were embedding within each microservice control logic, monitoring agents, and tools to help them manage those problems. And you wound up with a world that had a certain amount of bloat in it as you solved all those problems service by service. And so we felt there was a need to kind of extract those problems and build a new layer on top of orchestration. It doesn't replace container orchestration, but adds to it those extra controls. And that's ultimately what tools like Istio
0: are about. And people people like sometimes to know historically how things evolved. Istio was is a, a project that, that IBM got started, but there was also work and contributions from the folks at Lyft were, were working on a project. I know Google was helping. Can you give us a sense of kind of how those founding teams got together and, and what they've been bringing to the table?
1: Yeah, it's actually, a, it's actually a, an interesting microcosm of how I think our industry works. You know, Zoom back in time, a year, maybe even a year and a half, you know, my team at IBM was working in that space I just described. We, we were looking at problems like how to do resiliency testing and how to have like a programmable routing layer where I could solve those versioning problems and those rollout problems. At the same time, unbeknownst to us, the Google guys were working on that space with a similar view of the world, but they had focused in on security and telemetry. And how to get visibility into what's going on. Uh, and the List guys, they actually have a microservice based application. And in the process of building that application, they had to solve those problems and they built some componentry. And, and most interestingly, a component called Envoy, which you can think of as like an application level router for routing traffic between microservices. Uh, last fall uh, at KubeCon, we all happened to run into each other and got to talking and got to talking about microservices and realized that. You know, we see the world in a similar way, and then we have some complementary technologies. This was mostly a conversation between IBM and Google. Mm -hmm. We were both looking at Lyft's components as how to solve parts of that problem. And we made a decision to join forces in the fall of last year to combine our earlier projects that we've been doing independently into a single community project and really created Istio and spent the next, you know, five or six months merging the code and getting to a place where we felt proud of, you know, kind of an alpha release of something that proved the ideas. And, and that led up to the launch that we did in May uh, of this year. So, you know, it's really just like minds uh, seeing similar problems. And, you know, luckily we saw them in, in a way that it was actually quite complementary. We, we weren't overlapping. We were able to merge all of our previous assets into into istio so it has a pretty interesting robust set of capabilities for a pretty early
0: project because of that and i think you know we've had some frameworks or you know tooling around microservices before this isn't necessarily the first one obviously some people have talked about some of the the netflix oss libraries that are out there and um certain things have been built for certain languages like java for example istio is um Sort of a, a next generation of some of those. Plus, it's it's also fairly language independent, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of forbearers in this space, and, and Netflix OSS uh, and components like Eureka and Ribbon are are certainly uh, very popular frameworks. One of the things that we wanted to accomplish in Istio was to solve these problems in a way that was both language neutral uh, and in a way that didn't really change the programming model of how, as a developer, you built your microservice. Okay. Uh, and Netflix does both, right? It's, it's not strictly Java, but it's predominantly aligned around Java, and it introduces a bunch of APIs that you kind of program to in order to kind of do its magic. And with Istio, we wanted, you know, we felt like, hey, in microservices, one of the values of microservices is each team can pick the tools that makes sense for the problem that they're solving. So it doesn't all have to be Java or all have to be Go or Ruby or some other, right? right? So we wanted a common framework that worked no matter what you picked. And so that decision really set the stage for the architecture of Istio and I think also being informed by kind of the container orchestration space and some of the capabilities of Kubernetes helped them change the approach. You know, Netflix, OSS, as an example, was designed long before containers and right. Kubernetes were popular things. And so their architecture decisions are different. And so we've been able to come up an approach where you can really insert Istio into an existing app even and get some value right away without changing anything about how you, you know, talk to your peer services or how you write your code.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's build on that a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned... It just really kind of got announced in, in May, and that was, that was when it kind of formally became public. You know, I've seen some meetups. I've seen various presentations at, at various conferences and meetups about Istio. Where is it today? Obviously, I mean, it's still really, really new. But in terms of how is it governed, sort of maturity of the, the releases, are you seeing some, some people begin to use it, or is it, is it still uh, kind of experimental?
1: So, so you're right. It is new. Um, you know, we we did this kind of what you would think of as an alpha level launch at the end of May. Um, the project's been moving quickly since then. We got just tremendous both positive feedback and additional you know people who joined the party who've who've started to contribute, including you know Pivotal and Red Hat and others. The the community is working towards an alpha release um, this month, uh, or sorry, a beta release this month. And my you know personal hope is that as we get towards the end of the year, we get to kind of a one zero level. Okay. Of Istio, something that we all feel, you know, you could go put in production and uh, feel confident in. You know, as such, the, the kind of user adoption is still early. We have lots of people who are boring and experimenting and understanding how to use it. You know, one of the things I think has is, is been really interesting is, you know, that storyline I gave you about why you need a layer like this kind of revolved around maturing into a multi-microservice architecture. Therefore, sometimes people look at something like Istio and go, that's cool, but I don't need it yet. I'm not there yet. But what we found is there's actually a bunch of starter scenarios that people are latching onto, which don't require that. Maybe I even have, you know, two or three microservices. I mean, a simple example is something like the telemetry features in Istio. Like, I can literally go into Kube, uh, enable Istio on, you know, three microservices, and without any changes in the code, I can get Uh, request tracing and metrics about all the traffic flow between those services and get built-in dashboards and actually understand what's happening between those services, right? And that's useful even if you have a handful of things. Or I can get security turned on, right, and get automatic mutual authentication between services without changing anything about what I've written. So I think what we'll see from an adoption standpoint is as we get to beta and head into kind of a 1-0 release where we all feel like good about saying, yes, put this in production, um. Those initial scenarios will be the drivers for a lot of people to start with. And yeah. then as their apps mature, they'll take advantage of the more powerful capabilities.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, timeline-wise, it makes sense. I think we'll we'll definitely be seeing talks and more stuff coming out around KubeCon, you know, early December timeframe. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that jumped out at me is... When you when you think about a, a medium sized larger organization, anybody who has multiple groups or, you know, multiple types of applications, you always have this proliferation of, well, our group. you know, wanted to do things this way. And and so we, we picked certain things, you know, whether it's a database technology or approach, and and then another group goes, well, it didn't work for us, or we are in a different country and we couldn't find it. This sort of gets to the, to the point of saying, but if you guys really step back for a second, a lot of those things are going to overlap. The concepts overlap, but maybe they were in a different language. And, And so Istio makes a lot of sense from that perspective of these patterns and concepts should be ubiquitous or should be you know reusable in a lot of different places and and if you think about that from an ops perspective that's a that's a huge win if you can get that right
1: yeah absolutely and and it's one of the things that really is driving the project is this idea of of kind of a policy driven fabric mm-hmm. or mesh that lays on top of all the services that l- really let other players you know other roles come into the picture and so you can now have somebody who's uh, coordinating security across all the microservices in a consistent way or who's a controlling and orchestrating version rollout, who can do things like A-B tests and incremental rollouts. And that's kind of a layer on top of each individual service, right? Mm-hmm. And it really frees, like what we find is it can really free the, even the individual microservice team. Like with Istio, you can roll out a new version of your microservice into production, and the act of rolling it out doesn't send any traffic to it by default. So you can kind of dark launch it. Huh. And then you can go into the policy engine on Istio and say, hey, like funnel 1% of the traffic over to this new version, right? Or send all the users from Raleigh to the new version of the application because I wanted to kind of try it out, right? Like, so you just get this level of control that, you know, you wouldn't have by default in just a straight orchestration system, and and you would have to kind of build your own system to deal with, right? Right,
0: right. Well, And and that makes a lot of sense. I know one of the the challenges when when I talk to people about Kubernetes is, you know, there's always like, well, are you talking to me like I'm a developer? Are you talking to me like an op- an operations person? And mm-hmm. and a lot of times, the concepts like at the container orchestration level make a lot of sense for for operations people. They're about high availability. They're about how long a job will run for, or how do you make sure it's a va- you know th- those types of things. But developers kind of go like, Ugh, "That's a lot of low level plumbing that I don't really care about." Where whereas Istio feels like it's it's kind of written more from developer primitives so that they go, okay, these things make sense for me. I can kind of tweak them the way I want to without messing with a lot of that low-level plumbing that maybe the container orchestration does.
1: Yeah, I think that can be true. I also think it's like these platforms are all a collection of tools to do your job. And it's like another another layer of of tools at your disposal that are solving all the interconnected problems, Mm -hmm. right? Like Kubernetes is really good at, like you said, about, how do I deploy my one service and how do I keep it up and scale it? And it's all about running that thing. Yep. And then Istio is like, how, did that, how does that thing talk to the other things and how do I control that interaction? Gotcha. And what I think will be really interesting to see is the layers that people build on top of this. You know, like, you know, you take Istio has basic primitives for doing things like canary testing, like percentile routing, like send a percentage. Mm-hmm or content-based routing, which you can use for things like AB. But but it's just the primitives. Like, here's the policy mechanisms to help you control that. Somebody could build a tool on top of that that does management of that, that does the orchestration, like, I want to do a progressive rollout over the next 48 hours to these geographies. And under the covers, it would be calling Istio Policy Engine, the pilot, and incrementally changing how things are working through some higher-level tool that's kind of managing and giving you analytics and feedback. So I think there's a huge opportunity to kind of build higher-level tools on top of the primitives that Kubernetes plus Istio provide.
0: And that makes sense. My my follow-on question, you sort of answered it, was, you know, do we feel like this is something that's going to be kind of broadly horizontally applicable or does it sort of fit specific use cases? And I think what you're really getting at is because it is that policy layer and because it is, you know, primitives, it should um, eventually become very horizontally useful. Like you could use it in, in a whole lot of different use cases and it gives people the ability to, to expand upon it where it makes sense for them.
1: You see the desire for that in the project, you know, like one of the things the project's working on now is support outside of Kubernetes. You know, Kubernetes is where we started with Istio. It's designed to run really well and naturally inside of Kubernetes, but we recognize that, like, microservices aren't all going to be implemented in Kubernetes, right? You have some stuff in VMs and some stuff in Cloud Foundry and other systems. And so the community is working on, well, how do I run Istio in these other environments so I can have a microservice mesh That encompasses more diversity, which is that horizontal idea you talked about. And we've also been looking at things like hybrid scenarios, like maybe some of my microservices are in the public cloud and some are in my on prem data center. And I want consistent identity and security across that boundary so that. I know that you know Service A can talk to Service B, even if they live in totally different infrastructures, right? And so I think as those scenarios evolve, you will wind up with this very kind of horizontally powerful uh, kind of management layer on top of all of the individual components. You know that really solves some some powerful problems.
0: I, I guess in in that context, so today something like Kubernetes essentially says I'm kind of agnostic to the underlying cloud, but you know, but but there'll be a way to install it on VMware versus the IBM cloud versus AWS or, or so Istio will have a similar sort of concept, except it'll think of things like Kubernetes or Mesos or, you know, an IBM service or something as kind of the underlying abstraction, if you will.
1: Yes. Okay. I mean, we're a computer scientists. One more layer of abstraction. Yeah, exactly.
0: Right? <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, <laughs> but in this case, at least in Istio's case, the only nuance there is Istio is not trying to control how you deploy and run things. It's okay. only trying to control how they talk to each other. And so when when you lay your Istio on top of VMs, nothing in Istio is telling you how to deploy that app. Right. It's just saying once that app is deployed, it can participate in this mesh and the policies can apply and the routing is intelligent and all that kind of
0: stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know, given given that it's still fairly new, um, people are always looking mm-hmm. to be involved with communities or, or learn about things like... Right now, what's what's the best way to um, to kind of get involved, learn about it? I mean, is there is there code you can go get? Are there trainings available? Where where are we in terms of people? You know, beyond just the core development team, kind of getting engaged with this?
1: Yeah, I mean, so um, uh, so like many open projects, you know, there's a there's a website, sto.io. Um There's both a kind of contributors side to the project and a and a user side. So I think. You know, if you go to Istio's website, you know, clearly people, there's actually some really great kind of get started with Istio examples and documentation to help you as a user, try it out and install it into your environment. There's, there's actually a, a helm chart for Istio for so literally in like, you can just do like helm install Istio on your kube cluster and have okay. it all up and running and- couple of seconds, and there's some user groups and Slack channels and other things for users. And on the contributor side, I mean, the GitHub project is super active that, you know, we're always looking for people who want to contribute. We've already gotten some interesting diversity of obviously there's a number of, you know, cloud service provider and cloud technology provider people who are involved, but there's also some users uh, who like the list of the world and those kinds of scenarios where they actually want to use this as a platform and they're contributing and helping. So I think there's lots of opportunity for people to jump in and help if they really want to you know, be a contributor on the project.
0: Okay. And, and one of the things I think a lot of times people will ask when, when new things come along and especially around open source, because there's so many projects and sometimes they overlap and Mm -hmm. is there, uh, any discussion yet? Um, you know, you, you said, you mentioned this concept kicked off last year at KubeCon. Is there any discussion about potentially, you know, moving it under CNCF governance so that it's, you know, it's kind of have established governments, or is it still yep. too early for something like that?
1: No, there is discussion about that. I mean, I you know, I can't can't guarantee that's going to happen, sure. but that's where the project is is uh, heading. Is trying to move it under CNCF, so that's where we think it makes sense for it to live. Okay. Um, and so those conversations are happening in the background now, and I think that will be the logical home for this space. Um, you know, there's there's also. Obviously, other projects that have some overlapping goals. Um, you know, we mentioned Netflix earlier. There's a, a project in CNCF today called Linkerd, right, uh, which overlaps to some extent with things like Envoy and some of the some pieces of Istio. Uh, and so, clearly, the community all kind of have those discussions about you know how do those things evolve. So, you know, as always, it's a uh, it's an active space. Sure. Um, but we seem to have gotten some good critical mass around Istio, at least early critical mass and. I'm pretty excited about yeah. you know the velocity that's happening behind the project.
0: Well, one last question before you go. Um, you know, IBM's always got folks working on interesting kind of demonstrations and projects and stuff. If if somebody came up to you, you know, today or tomorrow, and said, "Hey, Jason, you know, show me something that's cool that that works with Istio." Like, what can you point them to today, or what's a what's an interesting example that somebody could take a look at?
1: Well, I, the actual example that comes with Istio is something that we built that uh, would is a, is just called Book Info. It's actually just a great demonstration of the power of a service mesh and and some of the things that you can do. Uh, the other thing I would say is uh, go to KubeCon. We have some cool stuff that we're brewing for KubeCon to show the power of of Cube and and Istio. So. I yeah. Uh, I won't uh, I won't leak the secret, but uh we have some pretty cool examples that we're working on now that I think will be fun.
0: Okay, very cool. We'll put those in the show notes and uh folks can take a look at them and uh we will uh we'll probably get some some discount codes for KubeCon uh, for everybody for for Austin. Well cool. Yeah. Jason, uh yeah. thank you so much for the time today. This was a good uh we wanted this to be sort of an introduction because ISTIO is is still fairly new, but I think people are are interested yeah. in you know, what's, what's happening with microservices? How do you make them easier and everything? Um, what's any, any good places for folks to either go track you down on the Internet, ask you questions, or, or where your team's working on stuff? Any good uh, resources or links to point to?
1: Yeah, I'm always on Twitter, at JRMcGee, and uh, happy to uh, chat with people there.
0: Yep, and we'll we'll get the link to the uh, Istio.io site uh, in the show notes and, and everything else for Istio. Well, with that, Jason, thanks so much for the time today. Really appreciate it. Uh, great to talk to you again. And, folks, for that, we're going to wrap you. it up. And uh, for Jason and for Aaron, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes and everything social media and visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.